Welcome to the Resonate Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Pastor Jacob. At the end of every year, I reckon everyone reflects, right? But regardless of who you are, regardless of whether you have New Year's resolutions, I think I posted mine was to eat um, half the amount of shapes as, uh, as I did this year, next year. Because I'm not addicted to many things, but if I did have an addiction, it would be shapes. And I think I've had probably around 200 boxes of shapes personally this year. How do I keep such a good figure? I don't know. But as 2017 draws to a close and 2018 begins, it is a good time for us to reflect, to take stock of many things in our lives, of our family. How's it going? How's that? Is that a priority to me? Our friends, you know, who are the friends we need to really gather around? Who are, who are some of the friends who, who maybe are a negative impact on our lives and we need to spend less time with or we need to influence more so they become positive? Our finances, how are we going? What can we change? What do we need to do? Faith, how am I going in my faith journey and my future? I see a lot of people planning for their futures just in, you know, the period between Christmas and New Year. And as always, I've been praying and seeking God um, these last couple months about our church and about the people who call this church home and about our future direction and endeavours. And the thing that God keeps pressing on my heart time and time again is that we need to bring back joy. We need to bring back joy, joy to our families, joy to our friends, joy to our finances, joy to our faith and joy into our future. And so I'm preaching a message titled Joy to Your World. Yes, and it's a little bit of a takeoff of Christmas where we sing Joy to the Worlds. Today I want to preach Joy to Your Worlds. Now joy is a gift from God. What does the Bible say the devil wants to steal? Your joy. Now, if the devil wants to steal your joy, then we don't give it enough importance as it needs to have in our lives. Joy only comes when we have a perspective that's centred around Christ Jesus. And to live Christ-centred is to be fully committed to the campaign for Christ Jesus. What's the campaign for Christ Jesus or the Christ campaign? As you'll hear me talking about time and time again through this message, the Christ campaign is to share the gospel, to bring love and joy that we've been given when we receive Jesus to everyone around us, to every single person on the planet. Do you know the joy and love of Jesus is available to every single person on the planet, not just to some elect, but to everyone, to black people, to white people, to tall people, to short people, to happy people, to sad people, glad, mad, men, women, young, old, gay, straight, those filled with love, even those filled with hate, even those who we perceive to be our enemies, they need to and they're invited to understand the love and joy that comes through relationship with Christ Jesus. Every person needs to hear. Every person needs a saviour. Every person needs the saving love of Christ Jesus and the joy that it can bring to their lives is incredible. Maybe we can wake up each day in 2018 and commit each day to the Christ campaign. Wake up and say, good morning, God. Let's bring some joy to your world today. Philippians 1 verses 12 to 18, I'm reading from the NIV translation, and it says this, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel 
As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. This is Paul speaking again from prison. It's sort of a theme throughout um, a lot of Paul's writings, isn't it? And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Verse 15, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defence of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. So here in this passage, Paul tells the church not to be concerned or worried or anxious about him because he's in prison, because even though he's in prison, the gospel is advancing. The campaign for Christ is still going forwards. And it kind of blows my mind just a little bit because he's rejoicing. And if he's rejoicing, it tells me one thing, that he's still filled with joy. The devil didn't steal his joy just because he's in prison. Christ is so centred in this man's heart, in his mind, in his life, that he has the God-given joy, regardless of how bad his circumstances are. And he's joyful yet again because the gospel continues to advance. See, perspective and priority are the key to unlocking God-given joy in our lives. Now, in this passage, we see that Paul's chained for identifying with Christ and for proclaiming the gospel. He didn't steal a loaf of bread. He didn't rob a bank. He was put in prison for preaching Christ. And naturally, the church of Philippi were concerned for him. You know, I, I kind of hope that if I get chucked into prison for preaching Christ, that some of you apart from laughing at me, would be concerned that I'm chucked in prison. But Paul isn't concerned. He only seems to care about taking the focus away from his situation and move it back to what God has done beforehand and what God will do in the future. He's not concerned about his situation. He's not concerned about his comfort. His concerns that other people would know the love and joy that comes with knowing the Saviour. And it's kind of strange, right? Because he's telling them that, you know, don't worry because even though I'm in prison, the gospel's still advancing. And, and I find that hard. Like I'm a, I'm a sporting guy and if the best player in your team isn't playing, if Mitch Stark is out of the Australian cricket side, our bowling attack's going to struggle, right? And if the super apostle Paul, who's amazing at planting churches and amazing at evangelism and amazing at leading people to Christ, if he's not out on the fields... You know, maybe the team's going to struggle a bit. But Paul's saying it's actually advancing the gospel. Me being in here, it's not just keeping, it's not slowing the momentum. It's not keeping it steady. It's advancing the gospel. We're winning even more is what he's saying. And see, the truth is the bondage that aims to halt the gospel became the blessing that birthed the gospel advancing even more. And church, I want us to understand that, that the roadblock that you're facing right now in your life might be a real blessing in the life of someone else. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
Your battle will become someone else's blessing. Your burden, someone else's breakthrough. Your bondage, someone's breeding ground for freedom. And if your perspective or priority is Christ-centred, it's going to allow you, despite whatever circumstance you're in, to maintain joy and have joy through the midst of that circumstances and bring joy to your world and joy to the world of others. Another, hurt, another thought that just hurts my simple brain is that Paul even hints that God has placed him in prison, right? Now, I think that's pretty hard for some of us to grab in the, the Western world where we live, where we talk about, oh, you know, if something goes good, we say hashtag blessed, you know, and if something goes bad, it's the devil, you know, we, we just, we have a cut, you know, you know, and so I'm not sure our faith is strong enough for us to really comprehend this, but, and hint that some bad stuff, some trials, some pain, some disasters that we go through might not be authored by God, but is allowed by God. Because later in the passage, Paul hints that even in prison, he's under the provision of God. And what's definitely evident is that he does not want them to be concerned about his sufferings and his present situation. And he kind of has this one-two punch, this, this left and right, as he's, he's preaching down his point through um, writing um, this passage of Scripture. And number one is saying that his story is nothing compared to the advancement of Christ's story. And that speaks of priority. You know, is our priority the same? Do we value Christ's story above our story? And number two, he's saying that the campaign for Christ cannot be stopped, not by men, not by the devil, because God is supreme and God is sovereign over both of them. And that speaks of perspective. Because if we believe that, if we understand that, then we know the campaign for Christ is unshakable, it's unstoppable because the evil aim of men and the devil is, to over, is overruled by the goodness of God. So we might look at the world that's gone crazy with, with ISIS and with terrorism and all these different things going on and around, but if our perspective is that God is greater, that the campaign for Christ will win, that one day every knee will bow, then all of a sudden we'll keep joy through the midst of tough circumstance. And so, yes, we live after the fall. We live in a fractured and broken world. Our own sin and the sin of others does definitely affect us. So we can't always escape it, but we can endure it, and we can endure it with a joyful spirit. It's a question that we can ask and answer today, tomorrow, and until we move from this life into the next is how is our perspective and what is our priority? You know, will we credit God as the author of the story of our lives and walk this campaign for Christ even through difficult circumstances? Or are we going to go the other way and try to author our own story? You know, we've, we've read the end of the book we know that his story is a story of victory. And the truth is following in his story means that I cast aside, I set aside my own to take part in his. You know what, and if I'm honest, too many times in my life I try to simply add Jesus into my story rather than add myself into his story. But following him means giving up my own story and entering into his story 
and letting him rewrite the story of my life. And so questions that we can ask ourselves this time of the year, am I following Christ fully? Am I committed to his campaign? Am I a character in his story or do I simply add Jesus to mine? I love verse 13 in this passage that we read this morning. And it says, as a result. You know, we live in a result-driven world. We all want a result. It says, as a result. Because Paul's in prison, as a result of him having this correct perspective and correct priorities, he's bringing joy into his world and the world of those around him. What's the result of the situations that you find yourself in? What's the result of your chains? You know, I've preached before and I'll preach it again and I believe it in all of my heart that your prison can become your pulpit. Some of us are imprisoned by health issues, relationship issues, hate, unforgiveness, offence and all sorts of other junk that tie us back, that hold us down. And you can either wallow in the prison cell of your own self-pity or you can use it as a preaching box, a position to help others. Your prison is an opportunity to be your pulpit. Verse 13 says, as a result, and the English Standard Trans, uh, English Standard Version says, so that, same thing, it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard, and that's the word that I went to that translation for, imperial guard, and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. So as a result, Paul's imprisonment is that the whole imperial guard And all the rest know, all the rest know, so everyone else around that know that Paul is not in prison for a crime against the state. They know that he's he's not there because he robbed a bank. He's not there because he, he beat someone up. He's there for preaching Christ. Now guess how many are in the imperial guard? Higher than 2,000. Higher than 6,000. (laughs) 9,000. It says, now the whole imperial guard, 9,000 soldiers and the rest. And the rest um, are those who have dealings with imperial affairs. And they were in Rome on business. So, so, you know, they're the the go-getters. They're the people who have got status, prestige. They're kind of a big deal type people. Lots of people, lots of influential people, they... Now in Rome, Paul's in prison and all of them know of or about Christ. Paul's in prison for two years and the soldiers guarding Paul were changed every six hours. So that's two people every six hours times by two years. I'm not good at maths, but can you imagine how many people Paul had a direct line to preach to? Now what that means is potentially that Paul on his little part of this campaign for Christ, told the gospel story, the story of Jesus, to someone or maybe two people knew every six hours. And I imagine then that then those soldiers told other people and over time everyone all of a sudden knew, number one, why Paul was in prison, number two, that Jesus loved them, and number three, they would have seen this joy in Paul. And so these soldiers are used to bitter Criminals, depressed prisoners, yet they see this guy who doesn't deserve to be in prison present an attitude of genuine joy each and every day. 
Instead of hating the guards who were holding him there, he's showing love. And so they would have listened. There would have been a, a weight to the words that he spoke. See, Paul had this mindset that every person he encountered was an opportunity to bring love and joy into their worlds with the saving truth of Jesus Christ. I wonder if that could be the rhythm of our beating hearts in 2018 and beyond. That idea that every person in our lives is an opportunity to share joy to, to share love to, to advance the gospel. Paul's preaching of Christ got him locked up. His outlook, his perspective could have, maybe even should have, if it was me, probably would have been, stuff this. What just got me locked up? God, why'd you get me put here? I'm following you, I laid down my life, I surrendered, and now I've been beaten, flogged, whipped and thrown in jail again. I'm done. I'm out. But he decided... The environment has changed, yet the campaign stays the same. Church, maybe our situations have changed. Maybe our environments in 2017 have changed, but the campaign for Christ stays the same. The mission never changes. And and, and mission's not just overseas. We can spend all our energies on reaching those across the globe, and yes, we should do that also, But we can't neglect those across our street. We can't neglect those who who we work with, who who are our neighbours, those in our church, those all around us. The mission never changes. The environment changes. The mission stays the same. Then verse 14 tells us, As a result, others have become more fearless. See, the first result for Paul maintaining joy in prison was a new audience to preach to. But the second result of his imprisonment is that those who were previously afraid have become fearless and bold in their own personal witness. Now, I'm no theologian. I can't even say the word properly. But those who are, they tell me this. The idea, this phrase, much more fearless, or some translations will say much more bold, it is to be bold or courageous to the neglect of your own personal safety and comfort because something else is more important. Here with these words, Paul is encouraging the Philippians who were potentially fearful themselves for their own lives to actually be bold, to actually be fearless, to care about sharing joy and love of Christ Jesus even at the risk of their own comfort, even at the risk of their own safety, because he believed and he knew that the campaign for Christ is way more important than personal comfort. Bold beyond self-preservation, because the worth of continuing the campaign for Christ is greater. So Paul pens this boldness, and he later says it, in a manner worthy of the gospel. Remember when Paul says that elsewhere? Paul is simply and solely concerned that the gospel continues to advance. He doesn't care if it's him being the big deal, being the big super apostle or someone else. He just wants to see the joy and love of Christ Jesus that he's been given shared in lives of others. I like that we see Paul is more concerned that the gospel advances rather than selfish motives of some who are preaching it. 
And this passage, as you, as you sit and study verses sort of 15 to 17 to 18, it can kind of freak you out a little bit because it's a, it almost goes against a lot of what we talk about and, and have preached on in church over the years because Paul's saying, yeah, some people are self-centered. Yes, it's true that some preach Christ because of rivalry, envy and selfish ambition. And these people are living self-centered lives. And we actually don't know why they're hostile towards Paul. You know, like I've got a bromance with Paul, so I don't understand why anyone did not like him. And it could have been that they're jealous that Paul's being effective. And you know those people who are just good at everything? You know, like, you know, they, they, they're good at one sport and then they try another sport which you're good at and then they just, they've just they never played it before and they're just better than you at it, you know, or, or everything just seems to go well for them in their life and you're just like, far out. Like, like, give me a break. Let me be better than them at one thing. You know, maybe some people see that and all of a sudden they're going, oh, good, Paul's in jail, gives the rest of us a chance to go and evangelise and all of a sudden he's leading the Imperial Guard to Christ Jesus and all of a sudden he's got a mega church of 9,000 soldiers and the other pastor of the small community is going far out. Maybe that's why they didn't like him. Don't know, just a thought. And it's kind of funny because their actions backfired on them because the gospel advances, even though they're doing it, you know, this is our chance, you know, we want to show Paul he's in prison, this is our shot. Because the gospel advances through that. And so Paul's rejoicing yet again. We do know that that group of followers of Christ, right? And it's interesting because sometimes even those who are meant to be our closest allies, our closest family, don't always get along. And we as humans let our sinfulness get the best of us. And Paul brings this up because the church in Philippi had the same self-centred issues that were causing disunity in amongst the church. And, and, and church resonate, church, let's never be worrying, questioning or, or dissing other churches locally or anywhere in the world because of theological differences or because of different worship styles, if they're on the campaign for Christ, if they're part of the advancement of the gospel, let's cheer them on. And that's what Paul's doing and saying and showing. In verse 16, Paul says, they preach Christ from goodwill or intent and they are doing it out of love for Paul. So he's saying there's two groups of people preaching for the advancement of the gospel, some self-centred, some against me, and then some who absolutely love me and are doing it just because they love me so much. And so some of us go, well, but that's personality-driven. You know, you don't want to, as a leader, you don't want that to happen. But Paul doesn't care so much about motives as much as he rejoices that Christ is being proclaimed. Paul's point is that the key to joy in this life is to live for the gospel, to centre your life on the gospel, to jump into the Christ campaign and everything else that goes around it comes secondary and doesn't ultimately matter. Because unmovable, unstoppable, unshakable joy comes not from money, not from health, not from comfort, not from well-being, not from self-centeredness, self-preservation or self-blessing, but comes from a life that is centred on the gospel of love. That's the campaign for Christ. When you get and live in Christ's joy, you will naturally share it. You'll bring joy to your worlds and the gospel will advance. And Paul is telling the Philippians, don't worry about others. Just keep yourself Christ-centred. Don't get worried. Don't get jealous. Don't get self-obsessed. Don't be self-concerned. The campaign for Christ, 
following his story, the advancement of the gospel is more important than all those other things. When Christ and his cause is central to our lives, nothing can kill, nothing can steal, and nothing can destroy our joy. Gordon, if you could hand out communion, that would be wonderful. So how do we live Christ-centred? How do we daily step into this campaign for Christ? Because it's easy to hear it, it's easy to preach it, but it's another thing to do it, and and I get that. And it's having a Christ-centred perspective and Christ-driven priorities. Do you know, I've had to work hard on building a Christ-centred perspective in my life. And I do it by daily reminding myself that, number one, that, that I'm a new creation, that I'm in Christ Jesus now, that I'm royalty. I'm a child of the King because it's pretty easy for me to look at my shortcomings and go, geez, I'm a failure. But I understand what Christ has done for me. See, Jesus gave up his right to the way things will go for him. In the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, Jesus had that, that moment where he's like, is there another way? Because I can guarantee you this, Jesus did not want to go to the cross and hang there in a whole amount of pain and shame. If he got to choose how his story was going to run, well, it would have been a little bit different. But he said, not my will but yours be done. Because his perspective was about bringing love and joy into our lives. He didn't hang on the cross for himself. He didn't need a saviour. He was the saviour. He is the saviour. He sacrificed for us. And so that's why I want to do that for him. You know, and surrender of our lives looks different for everyone. Not all of us have to spend time in prison for the advancement of the gospel. Not all of us have to hang on the cross. Jesus went to the cross. He did the Father's will for others' benefit. My surrender is different to Christ's. Paul's surrender is different to Christ's. Complete surrender in my world is something I have to remind myself of daily. And it's only done through praying for correct perspective. And the thing I've done differently in my prayer life in the last 12 months is I've I've stopped praying to God to change my situation and I started praying that God would change my perspective so then I can handle the situation with joy and how God would want me to handle it. It's not easy. But once we get to that place where our priority is Christ and our perspective is Christ-focused, then nothing environmental can steal our joy. It's not to say we're not going to have bad days or bad moments, but there's a joy through all of it. It's not to say while Paul's getting beaten and flogged in prison, he wasn't going, oh, that hurts. But there's his inner joy that regardless of what happens to me, I know that the love and the joy and the saving grace of Jesus is greater than anything that this world can throw at me. So I just want us to close today by having communion together. And as we take and eat, 
the bread representing his body and, and the blood uh, and the, the juice representing the blood shed for us, would you allow it just to refocus your perspective and refocus our priorities so that we too, understanding that going forward in this life, that Jesus is our priority and that the right perspective will see us have joy with no matter what the future throws at us. Would we stand together and just in your own time eat and drink and we'll just get the music team to come up and, uh, and, and close today's service with one song. Eat and drink in your own time. Just focusing on Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Resonate Podcast. Jesus, my love, my God.